0: Amen. I love that. Anything about grace, I'm with it. I need the Lord's grace. We appreciate the good singing. I praise the Lord for Wednesday night. You all were here Wednesday night. You ready to worship? You learned about worship. We're learning. The Lord did something special here. I appreciate what He's doing on Wednesday night. I encourage you to come. We're going through the Psalms on Wednesday night. And we're learning how to worship our Lord better. I think it's the highest order of man that we learn how to worship Him. And so we appreciate what God's doing. Also tonight, we're starting a brand new series in the book of Revelation on Sunday night. So we encourage you to come, bring those with you. And it's going to be a great study. And boy, what a better time than what we're living in right now to go through that great book. So you be praying for us. Bring your notepad and be ready. So we're looking forward to that. But this morning, I'm excited to be able to preach in the book of Romans, chapter number 4. On Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Romans. And we have come to chapter 4, verse 16 this morning. And I'd like to preach on this subject, standing on the promises of God. And so we want to learn how to do that through the life and the example here of Abraham. And we're in verse 16. If you found your place and you're able, we invite you to stand with your copy of the Scriptures open. And we'll honor and reverence the reading of God's holy and error and infallible inspired word together. We began in verse 16 and we will conclude this great chapter. The Bible says... Therefore, you've been with me long enough, anytime you see a therefore or a wherefore, it is connecting on what's already been said, in light of what's been said. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all, of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, whom quickened the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that, he, that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Father, thank you again for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to stand behind the sacred desk and preach and proclaim the truths of this great text that you've laid upon our hearts. But God, I express before heaven and this congregation of witnesses that I need you. Lord, I'm nothing, but you're everything. I ask, Lord, that you'd help me to decrease and you increase. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight for you are strength and our Redeemer. God, that takes a special anointing. That takes unction, zeal, and passion of the Holy Ghost of God. And so, Lord, would you help us this morning? Let us be an instrument in your hands that you may be glorified. Your word would go forth in power and demonstration to the end thereof. Lives are changed. And you're exalted. We ask it in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Again, I would like to preach on the subject of standing on the promises of God, That's exactly what Abraham did, and that's exactly what you and I need to do as well. Paul, here at this juncture, is still defending the doctrine of justification by grace through faith alone. That still upsets a lot of people. That upsets a lot of the religious world, but that's the absolute truth of the Word of God. There is justification by grace through faith alone. Why were they upset? Because many of his readers were questioning this doctrine because they claimed that being an heir, a physical heir of Abraham was what was essential for salvation. There were others who claimed obedience to the laws of Moses for salvation, while others were claiming religious observance like riots and rituals for salvation, like that we discussed of last time, like the riot of circumcision, or we liken that in the New Testament to those who claim the works of baptism for their salvation. Well, we learned by sufficient evidence in the Word of God that all such are insufficient to save. And Paul has sufficiently proved that our race cannot save you. Our religion cannot save you. There is no amount of human effort, morality, or self-righteousness that can save. Why? Because all works of man fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The bar of God's standard has been set way, way too high for humanity. Why? Because God's standard is perfection. That's completely out of reach for Abraham, for Moses... You name them, for all of Adam's ruined race. Therefore, we must conclude, the Bible teaches, if a person is saved, they are saved apart from the law, apart from any human effort, apart from works, apart from religion. They are simply saved by the grace of God and the faith in Jesus Christ alone. That, my friends, I got good news. That is the infallible promise given equally to all Humanity, that's a promise you can stand on. I think the songwriter said it best or maybe sung it better than I could say it. He says this, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail because I'm standing on the promise of God. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning is stand on. On the promise of God. That if you will come. And believe the gospel. God will save you. Because of his amazing grace. That's a promise you can believe. I want to share with you. The Bible says in verses 16 and 17. It gives us the explanation of faith. And we need to understand biblical faith. The Bible says again in verse 16. Let me read it to you again. therefore. It is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise, might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. And so, in these couple of verses, a verse and a half, we really have the explanation of faith. And here's what I'd like to tell you about genuine biblical faith. Real faith brings us into the favor of God. I don't know anybody here that doesn't need the favor of God upon their life, but it's faith that brings us into the favor of God. See, salvation. Salvation is an act of God's amazing grace. What are you talking about? I'm talking about salvation from hell. All men everywhere are sinners. All men have missed the mark. And because of that, all men are destined for death and hell without God. If it weren't for grace. Thank God for grace. Faith in God's grace... Faith in God's promises brings us into the favor of God. Salvation, again, is totally an act of God's amazing grace. It's a gift of God for salvation is completely unmerited. It's nothing that is deserved. It's simply the favor of God upon sinful humanity. We all deserve to be punished of our sins. I'd like to wait till everybody agrees with that. I mean... We all deserve to be punished for our sins. It is us who have violated and as trespasses against God. We all deserve death and hell. We have no righteousness. We have no goodness to bring to the bargaining table with God. I learned a long time ago, when your sins are exposed, all you can do is throw yourself on the mercies of God, collapse at the cross of the crucified Savior, and cry, nothing in my hands I bring but simply to thy cross I Cling. Then, here's what I've learned, because that's my practice. Then I have learned in that moment, in the nick of time, the grace of God envelops you and you are brought into the favor of God. I, I like that. All those who come into him, he will in no wise cast out. A broken and a contrite heart, God will not refuse. Y'all just act like you're asleep. Have you not found this out, have you not stood on that promise? You come, and I'll help you. God's good to help. When you exercise faith, when you exercise faith to trust in God's grace, you're brought in to the favor of God. And also faith brings us into the family of God. He said, "...to all who believe." To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, all who will believe. Ladies and gentlemen, there is but one family of God. There is but one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Whether Jew or Gentile, all are spiritual children of Abraham and blood-bought members of the royal family of God. And this eternal truth rests on the everlasting covenant of God that is ratified by the blood of His darling Son Jesus on the cross of Calvary to all who would believe. So how? Are we brought in to the favor of God? you remember Romans 1, 18? Right now, the wrath of God is revealed upon the ungodliness, the unrighteousness, and the unbelief of all men. I don't like that. Do you like it? Our world is experiencing that. The judgment and the wrath of God is upon this globe because we have been ungodly, we've been unrighteous, And we're filled with unbelief. Life is tough. Has anybody figured that out yet? It's not getting any better. Have you figured that one out yet? More school shootings are on the way. More acts of terrorism are coming. More diabolical acts of the devil and his hordes is on the way. We're in trouble. And it's getting worse. Because we are, as a nation... As a world are rejecting him, living unrighteously, living in denial and rejection of the Son of God. His wrath is upon us. I, I don't like it. And we're going to study tonight. It's getting going to get worse. I don't like that. I'm glad I had a belly full of it. <laughs> Some of y'all are going to have to wake up. i got a few nodding in the choir. They're all right. Where are y'all at? I didn't like it. I finally had it up to here. I needed something different. I'm glad I heard the old story. There's, were sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. I heard the wonderful story of God that all those who would believe and all those who would come to him, and in faith I responded, and in faith it brought me into the favor of God. sure beats the wrath of God. Sure beats the judging hand of God. It brought me into the favor of God, but it did something else. It brought me into the family of God. How are you okay this morning? I've had faith in God. Faith in the promises of God. That's what it takes. That's the explanation of faith. Now you need an example. I did, you did, we all did. That's why he gave it to us. Verse 17 again. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Speaking of Abraham. Before him who believed, even God, whom quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. So here we have an example of what this genuine biblical faith looks like. The example is that Abraham, number one, just received the word of God. That's what faith looks like, receiving the word of God. I would say that what Abraham had was incredible faith. He received and believed the word of God without seeing any proof. Most of us like to bargain with God. I'm not going to believe you unless I see proof. That's not the way it was. Here's what we want to do. God bless me and then I'll follow you. Yeah, right. God bless you. You'd set still. You wouldn't move an ounce. That's not the way God operates. God says, follow me, trust me, believe in me, and I'll bless you. Has anybody got a testimony? Have you ever followed God, believed God, trusted God, and not been blessed? And I didn't even get an amen. Let me say that one more time. Have you not believed God, trusted God, followed God, and not been blessed? Every single time in my life. Abraham received the word of God. He believed the word of God without any proof. He seen nothing. There was no display of miracles, no divine manifestations. He simply believed the word of God. The Bible said he had hope against hope. He believed God. Now, that's genuine biblical faith. Now, Manly Beasley is a preacher of another generation who's done gone home to be with the Lord. And in my estimation, he walked in a spiritual plane where most men would just love to be. But he made this statement about genuine biblical faith. And it's always stuck with me. I pray that it would encourage you. He said it was something like this. He said, genuine biblical faith is believing it so when it's not so in order that it may be so because God said so. It's not because you say so. It's because God says so. So Abraham just simply believed God. Can't you? Sure beats believing this world. The leadership of our world. They can't call right wrong and wrong right. Don't know up from down y'all going to let me preach. I'd as soon trust Almighty God. I can't find a mistake in any of his doings. I can't see any time that he's got anything wrong. He's got a flawless record. Abraham believed God. So I'm going to quote Manly Beasley one more time. You're still right and you're putting it long term. Biblical faith is believing it's so when it's not so in order that it may be so because God said so. That's incredible faith. Didn't see a thing. No miracles, no divine manifestation. He just simply believed God. That's an example of faith. Also, he had intellectual faith. There is no place in Christianity where God asked you to disengage your brain. God created you in the image of God, which means he gave you the ability to think, to rationalize, Use the ability that God gave you. So what did Abraham do? He received the word of God, and in great faith, he trusted God. Then he used some intellectual faith. As I said earlier, against hope, against all odds, beyond the realm of human possibility, he believed God. Are you sure? Yeah. We dealt with it last time. The promise that God gave to Abraham, that he and his wife would have a child. This child would be a promised child. And through his seed would come, and I'm jumping through, I'm fast-forwarding, through his seed would come the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So against all odds, what do you mean against all odds? God gave him this promise at 75 years old. And then he had to wait another 25 years till he was 100 years of age. Again, an impossible situation with man. The Bible said they were dead in that, in that reference. And so he never stopped believing. He never stopped trusting God. Can you put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute? Most of us put ourselves in Sarah's shoes. But can you put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute? And I've got some legitimate questions. Can I just ask them this way? God promised him he's going to father a nation. God promised him he would give him a son. He was 75 years. He waited until he's 25 years later, 100 years old. And the Bible says that he believed God. He never stopped believing. He never stopped trusting. Here's my questions. How did Abraham not waver in his faith? Is that an okay question? How did he not doubt and question the promise of God? You say, preacher, why would you ask that? Well, because I know you. And I know me. We're standing on the promise of God, and it don't fulfill from the a.m. to the p.m. Oh, boy, we're just ready to throw up our Bible and walk away. Y'all going to let me preach this morning. We want it yesterday. We want God's work in our life immediately. It don't take but just a little bit of time of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Are you still with him? Are you still trusting him? Abraham did. How many has been waiting on the promise of God for 25 years? Against all odds. I don't have to tell you it's a divine impossibility for Abraham to father a child at 100. And yet he never doubted. And yet he never wavered. And he never questioned the promise of God. Can you say Abraham is a hero of the faith? Why? Because I told you earlier he not only had incredible faith but he had intellectual faith. How do you arrive that that's intellectual? Because he used his intellectual ability, he used his logic that God had given him to conclude that if the word of God can quicken the dead, if the word of God can create something out of nothing, things that were not are now are. If God can save a soul, if God can create a star and suspend it in the heavens, surely, surely Almighty God can revive a seed and open up a dead womb. He just simply used the brains that God had given him. You you have trouble with that? And you come and say, well preacher, you just don't know what's going on in my life. I just don't know. And I say, well God can do that. God can do anything. Well preacher, I, I just don't. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He who stepped out on nothing and spoke this world into existence? Is there anything too hard for my God? I mean if, the, if things in the, in the universe. The solar system. If it tilted one way or another from the sun. We'd either burn up or freeze just like that. And it doesn't sweat him a bit. Because it's all in his hands. Are you kidding me? He who can roll back the waters. And part the sea. He who can calm the storm. Raise the dead. Heal the disease. All manner of sickness and disease. My favorite is if he can save my soul from hell. Can he not put anything there? It doesn't matter. Use the brain that God has given you. And take the infallible facts the irrefutable facts of God's mighty and wonderful works and think through that thing. And we must realize and simply use our brains that God gave us to understand that God's promises are not based upon human inabilities but upon God's unlimited ability for nothing is impossible with God. That's what the Bible teaches and that's what he believed. He not only believed the work of God, but he believed the word of God. The Bible says in verse 19, I'd like to read that to you, not being weak in the faith. That's what he said, so I didn't pull this out of the air. The Bible says "And not being weak in the faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. So you have a testimony. When he was about a 100 years old and neither the deadness of Sarah's womb and he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and when fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And so he believed the word of God. No 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 staggering. I mean think about that. A ninety year old woman and a hundred year old man, a divine impossibility of naturally conceiving, carrying, and giving birth to a child. Oh, and by the way, there was a gender reveal party, it was a son. That was before ultrasounds and sonograms and 3D imaging. God's good, isn't he? God's good. So from a reproductive standpoint and point of view, they were both, according to the Scriptures, dead with no human possibility to conceive. Has anybody lived long enough to realize that when man can't, God's able? I've learned that he likes to work in the realms of the impossibility, and for 25 years, for 25 years, Abraham believed God for this promise. He stayed strong, even when his wife laughed and lied about it. See, I told you most of us would put ourselves in Sarah's shoes, but we don't want to put ourselves in Abraham's shoes. You know, it's hard enough to stand on the promises of God and have faith that doesn't waver in our world. But when you come home and your wife laughs at you and then lies about it, Sometimes that could just destroy you and make you want to fold in. The Bible says, but Abraham was yet strong. God give us more Abrahams. He was yet strong, never wavering, but giving glory to God and trusting in His promise. That's amazing to me. And so Abraham continued to believe and worship God for the promise. There was no skepticism in his life. He was fully, the Bible said, fully persuaded that there was no room in his heart and his mind for doubt. That's a work of God. He believed God. And if God promised, then God would perform. Stand on the promises of God. Abraham believed in the divine impossibility that God would not and because he is holy and righteous, he could not go against his own infallible word and break the immutable promise that he had given Abraham. Here's what I'd tell you. You can stand on the word of God when the world's on fire. If God says it, that settles it. Take it to the bank. Rest upon it. Hang your hat upon it. Stand on on the infallible promise of the living God. Because he will not ruin his holy reputation for the likes of Abraham or any of Adam's ruined race. If God said it, that settles it. So, like Abraham, let's learn to stand on the promises of God because they will not fail. Finally, I would give you what we have in this text as an exhortation. An exhortation to faith. We, we've seen the example. We've seen what that looks like. We've. Now see the exhortation of it verses twenty three through twenty five really gives us the product of faith it's important. He says now it was written now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. This gives us really the product of faith and it's imputed righteousness. And so remember Abraham intellectually and incredibly just believed God, trusted God, accepted his word. And what was the product of that? Imputed righteousness. So you don't trust God for naught. You don't believe and receive the word of God for nothing. Bible says it was imputed to him for righteousness, imputed righteousness. And again, the act of grace that Abraham received, I'd like for you to know, was before the rite of circumcision. It was before the birth of the promised child. It was before the law was given. And Abraham simply believed God, placed his faith and trust in the promise of God, and it was counted to him, or it was added unto his account for righteousness. And he said, by the way, it's not just for him, it's for us. And so when one believes and places their faith in Christ Jesus for salvation, they've been made righteous. I'd have a question here. Well, what what all do you get? Well, I think most importantly, you get peace with God. Men and women, Adam's race are born in enmity with God. As soon as the law highlights, underlines, underscores your sin, as soon as you come to the place of accountability where you realize that you're a gross habitual violator of God's holy law and the law demands death and hell, it's bad. What happens? Instead of running to Jesus, we run away from him and we throw up our fist. And we have been immediately are at war with God. I'm talking about somebody's testimony in here. You remember? Boy, I, you couldn't eat, you couldn't sleep, you, you, just, you fought, you fought, you fought. It was a struggle. It was a struggle of your life. But when you receive the word of God and you believe the promises of God, by faith you trust him, it's imputed for righteousness. So what do you get? You get peace with God. Does anybody remember? Oh. I am so thankful that one day that I learned to sing that song with my heart. I surrender all. I'm glad I raised up the white flag of surrender. I surrendered my will for the will of God. I repented of my sins, placed my faith in Jesus. I stand on the promises of God. And the burden of my soul rolled away. And in that moment, I knew that me and God were all right. Peace with God. Isn't it nice to be able to lay your head down at night No matter what happens, me and God are all right. If this old heart stops beating in my chest through the night, don't don't weep for me. Because I'm no longer an enemy with God. I'm a friend. I'm a servant. I'm a child. Me and God are all right. Well, what what else do you get? I'm glad you asked. Peace with God? Yeah. The peace of God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Walk through hell by the acre? You can't live down here and not do that. Life happened to you? Oh yeah, it rains on the just and the unjust. We'd say it this way, life happens. I just look around here and I love my church family. My heart swells for my church family. We love one another. We encourage one another. We pray one for another. We help one another through things. We rejoice when things are great. We weep together and pray together when things aren't so great. And you know what? We experience, we experience from time to time. By walking through hell by the acre, yet believing God, trusting God, putting our hope in God against hope, we get the peace of God that surpasseth all understanding. What does that look like? That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing before a fiery furnace and a wicked king saying, throw us in. Some of y'all are going to wake up and get this stuff. That's like sleeping chained to an armed guard in a Roman prison cell the night before your execution, sleeping so soundly that the angel of the Lord has to rustle you up and wake you up. What is that? That's the peace of God. I'd be sleeping soundly. Y'all have had some of that. I see some smiles. Boy, that's enough to run to Jesus, isn't it? I'm not finished. What else do you get when you trust God, receive his word, and accept on the promises of God for salvation? Well, I'll tell you what else you got. That person has received the perfect standing. They're not only just forgiven of all their sins, past, present, and the future, but they're declared righteous in the sight of God. What does that mean? Just as if they had never sinned. But it also means this, like they'd always been right and perfect. I'm not finished. They also get eternal life. Everlasting life. A home in heaven and an inheritance that's out of this world, literally. (laughs) Could anybody here use some of that? I mean, anybody here interested in placing their faith in Jesus for salvation? I'm telling you, if all that I said is true, and it is, I've got it documented in the Scriptures. And it's not only documented, but it's true in my heart. If all this is true, I'd tell you what I'd do. I'd run to Jesus. That's the product of faith, but also there's the plea of faith, and it's personal. The Bible says that it wasn't written just for Abraham's sake alone, but it was written for us also. For your sakes, for your soul, righteousness can be imputed unto you. As a lost, hell-bound sinner, we have nothing to bring to the bargaining table, I told you. Nothing can we offer. We have nothing to offer to God. His bar is standard of perfection. What can we offer? All we have is sins. We're a bankrupt, destitute sinner with no hope of help. But when you come to him, your bank account changes. Overdrawn, 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 no hope of seeing the light of day. But he takes your bankrupt condition spiritually and he imputes upon yours the righteousness of his darling son, Jesus. You may kneel down as a pulper, a bankrupt sinner. But you believe the word, receive the word and give your life to Christ. Stand on his promise. You'll be raised up as a child of the king, an heir and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Imputed into your account righteousness. If Abraham was saved by faith, we too are saved by faith. If it was available for Abraham, it's available for us. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, there is the contingent before salvation. So if you're going to get saved, you've got to believe that God raised up Jesus from the dead just like he said. Now there's a lot more to that than just verbal words. Because I believe there's a lot of people that has quoted a sinner's prayer and going to split hell wide open. Now you please listen to me because I'm being honest and I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. Trust me, in the day of judgment, you'll hug my neck for telling you the truth if you receive the truth. It's not about words saying, I believe that God raised Jesus up from the dead. It's not about just words being said. See, it takes something to believe that. Let me tell you something. It takes something to believe that. See, he gives us the example. What is it? really in the life of Abraham. We see the performance of faith raised again for our justification. That's what he says. He delivered. Jesus was delivered for our offenses, our sins. He that knew no sin became sin for us and was raised again for our justification. Again, if we believe on him, God, that raised Jesus our Lord From the dead. It is the same measure of faith that Abraham had to believe God for what was humanly impossible circumstances in his life. There was no physical way that he could have ever fathered a child. It seemed to be just as equally impossible for God to raise up Jesus who died by an old Roman cross. But God did. Just as the Word of God says, He raised him up. Jesus was raised from the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave just like he said. You believe that? You're in trouble if you don't. Because I've got more than 500 witnesses against you. Oh, yeah. Well, not counting the disciples. There's more. The disciples all named. I I saw the resurrected Lord. You know what John said is my favorite. You know what John said? He called him the word of life. He said we touched him. Boy, wouldn't you like to touch Jesus? The resurrected Lord. He said, we listened to him. We heard him. We handled him. He's the word of life. I saw him. Paul said, I saw him. Peter said, I saw him. He came and he ate wild, he ate fish and honeycomb down by the seashore with the disciples. On numerous occasions, he showed himself alive. And Acts says that over 500 brethren, and back then they would not count women and children, so that could have been around 1,500 against you. Rusty said that'd stand up in any court of law. He's alive. Why? Because the scripture's true. God raised him from the dead. That's hard to believe. Because we buried a lot of people. I've never seen the ground shake. I've never seen the earth roll back. I've never seen them get up. And I promise you I'll be the first to leave the gravesite if that happens. But I've not seen that. But God said he would raise up Jesus and give us infallible proof that he's alive. Now, that takes something to believe. That's a measure of faith. No different than Abraham. hundred years old, you're going to father a child. And out of your seed's going to come forth a Messiah who's going to save the nation, going to save the world, who's the Savior of all mankind. Think of that. So he did. Just like he said, Abraham proves. He gives us a child, a son, just like he said. His seed was revived. Sarah's womb was awakened. God gave them Isaac, the promised child. And all you can do at the end of the resurrection, all you can do at the end of that is to say, God keeps his promises and nothing is impossible with God. Someone would ask, how were people saved in the Old Testament? Were they saved by keeping the law? No. The Bible says that the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Somebody said, I I know. They were saved by offering sacrifices to God. No. The Bible says by the blood of bulls and goats can never take away our sin. Those of the Old Testament who were saved were saved the same way we are today. By the grace of God. Through faith in the promise of God. That he would send forth a redeemer. Therefore, I'm going to close this morning by asking you, and better yet, I'm going to beg you to quit trying to work your way to heaven. Race, religion, or any amount of morality or human effort can ever save your soul. Can I quote Spurgeon? I think it's the greatest. Because most people think they're good enough to go to heaven. This week I was at the hospital and I I began to share with this lady and and, and I said, do you you know that you're saved? Oh honey, I, I I know that I'm saved. Well, I've never seen you in church. I I just just need to ask before I pray with you. Honey, I I know I'm saved. I was saved as a little girl. And I said, well, tell me, what are you trusting in to get you to heaven? She said, well, I'm a good person. I try to be as good as I can to my people. Friends and neighbors, and it just kind of broke my heart. Tried to share the gospel. Can I quote Spurgeon? Morality may keep you out of jail. But only the blood of Jesus will keep you out of hell. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. None. No remission for sin. So if you want to be saved, come to God in repentance of sin Place your faith in Christ as Savior and by the grace of God you will be ushered into the favor and the family. You say, but preacher, you don't know about me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I've done. I don't care. I believe the word of God. All those who come unto me I will in no wise cast out. But preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't care. Listen to me. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe the book. And I believe that nothing is impossible with God. So what do you want me to do? I beg you to come to Jesus as he calls. See, I I believe the book. I believe his word. I didn't preach in vain today. God gave me this all throughout the week. I've been praying. I've been preparing. I've been asking God to save somebody, some several somebodies. And see, I believe the Word of God. It's not about the preacher and his abilities because I am nothing and have nothing. But it's about the power of the Word of God. The Word of God goes forth and it will never return void. God speaks. God works. God draws. And as He does, you come. Why do you say that? Because you can't get saved just anytime time you want to. It's not about praying a little prayer and getting wet in a baptismal pool. It has nothing to do about that. It's not about getting your name on the roll. There's many people on the roll of Chinkapin will miss heaven because their name's not in the roll book of glory. Why? Because they did what they wanted to when they wanted to and said some little prayer. I've heard that so many times I'm sick. You come. When he calls, when he draws, and when he does, don't you put it off. Don't you dare delay. Why? Who deserves to hear it twice until everybody's heard it once? God's speaking, God's drawing, run. John 6:44 says, unless the Spirit of God draws, you cannot be saved. I got good news. He's here. You sense his presence with us today? He's here. Why are you excited about that? Why? Why? Because where I am, where he is, where the Lord is, he draws. He calls. And can I tell you what his desire is? I'm instilling the book that none perish but all come to repentance. So here's what I know. If you're here and you're lost, you know that. God knows that. God's calling. God's drawing. Don't miss God. Stand on His promise. Father, thank You for the privilege and the honor to share the truths of Your Word. It is by Your strength and by Your Spirit we trust Your invitation. God, as You speak and as You draw people unto Yourself, Lord, like Abraham, give them faith to hear Your Word, receive Your Word, and walk in it. God, I pray the bells of heaven be rung For those that don't know, you're being saved today. Lives being changed, souls being saved, and hell being robbed. Lord, I pray that your perfect will would be done. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.